Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to this virtual cool kids table. I created this podcast five and a half years ago because I know one thing is absolutely always true, and that is success leaves clues. So when I have the opportunity to sit down with really smart people, interview them about how they had success and what they're doing that's cool in their business, they can't help it. They leave an idea, a theory, a nugget, a concept behind, and it just helps me get better at my business. And the other thing is, is that sometimes when there's something happening out there in the world that's really pressing and really hot, I can sit down and learn more about it by interviewing people who have their fingers right in the middle of it. And that's what we're doing today. Today's kind of a special episode. I've been tracking for the last couple of weeks because as many of you know who listen to the show regularly, I make my living as a professional speaker and professional master of ceremonies for association and company events. And with this coronavirus issue really hitting the world, one of the first industries that's taking an economic kick in the pants to this is the meetings industry. Now, for those of you who don't work in and around the meetings industry, we don't really think of what goes on behind the scenes in meetings, but it is a lot. There are 20 or 30 vendors who are behind these big conferences. So when we hear that South by Southwest was canceled, we often think, oh, the event isn't happening, you know, oh, for the event organizers. But there's so many other people who are directly touched, many of whom aren't wealthy people or corporations. These are people who work, you know, hourly jobs who are getting things done. There's the servers, there's the bartenders and the waiters and the the people who work in the hotels. There's the people driving Uber. There's the people who drive the tour buses. There's so many people. It's not just the people who are up there on stage, the speakers and others, but there's the people behind the scenes who work in the sound. I, I mean, this list is just gorgantulan. And I've been tracking it really closely because... To be honest with you, it directly affects my livelihood as a speaker, but also most of my friends are people who work in and around the meetings business. And a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we salvage our conference? Maybe that conference was canceled and they're looking for what do we do? How do we get that information out there? How do we keep our members or the people who are going to participate? How do we keep keep them connected? In some cases, the conference is going on, but membership or uh, attendance, excuse me, is dropping because 
People can't get there. Their company has instituted a travel ban. They're coming from an area where people aren't supposed to travel away from. Uh, I'm about to go attend a conference and the guy who was going to serve as the disc jockey, he's been doing this conference for years, kind of as keeping the energy up and the entertainment. He and his girlfriend just spent a week in Northern Italy. And so the conference organizers said, you're not going to be the DJ. We're not bringing you into a 400 person conference three days after you get back from Venice. It's just not happening. So this is a real issue that has impact. And all of the people I know who plan meetings are looking at this option of, oh my gosh, should we have a hybrid option to broadcast part of this meeting? Or if the meeting's canceled, should we just go and create a virtual conference? Well, I'll tell you because I've hosted virtual conferences and I've attended virtual conferences and I've been a speaker for virtual conferences. This is not an easy thing to do. So I started racking my brain and said, who is one of the best connected, most knowledgeable people in this area? And I thought of my friend, Jim Parker. Now, Jim is the president of a company called Digital Inc. And they have been doing this since 2009. Company's been around even longer for 35 years. They've been the company who was recording conferences. You know, if you went to conferences in the 90s, at the end, you always had the opportunity to buy the cassette tapes. Uh, in early 2000, you could buy the CDs. A little after that, you could get them as streaming. Well, Digitel was the company behind the scenes. And in 2009, they got into live streaming events. And so now for 11 years, this is what he knows. And I thought, Jim, can you jump on a call right now? And let's talk about the meetings industry and virtual conferences. So, Jim Parker, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. This is great. I really appreciate you reaching out and, you know, at challenging times, both uh, for people who are canceling their meetings and looking for ways to offer their attendees an alternative. Uh, we're excited in some ways and it's a struggle in others. I mean, you know, nothing's worse than getting a call from clients three days before letting you know they're canceling your meeting and you're calling all your video team back from where they were off to. I on the other side, go ahead. I've talked to speakers who have actually arrived on site because they like to arrive a day or two early so they can adjust to the time zone or for whatever reason. They've already checked into their hotel and the planner's like, yeah, go home. We're not having the meeting. Yeah, no, it's tough. You know, you ship out a bunch of equipment and we're having a, an up and down ride. It's a roller coaster ride, but, you know, we're here to help our clients. Uh, do what they need. And we're really converting their physical meetings to virtual conferences. And it's really a great alternative. I mean, virtual meetings are hot. <laughs> well, and, you know, virtual meetings have been something that's been talked about for a long time. But for a lot of reasons, you know, be it they don't want to, uh, you know, keep people from attending if people can stay at home or there is a cost involved with doing it well. So people don't want to in incur the expense. There's a lot of reasons why people have not looked at this option over the years. And suddenly within the last week. Thousands of people, if not tens of thousands of people, are suddenly having to look. You shared a story about somebody who had uh, a blog post about virtual meetings and he would get like 10 hits a week from Google of people searching it, you know, and that suddenly bounced up to thousands and thousands of hits in a week this last week. So this is, an, this is a topic that's important to people. So I want to step back a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Digital? I mean, I gave sort of the overview, but, but tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I've been recording conferences since the early 1980s. I was really the driving force for all of the conversions that you were talking about. I mean, I was the first and only company licensed by Apple to preload their iPods. So I've really been a pioneer in trying to deliver 
education for professional organizations in the format that their attendees and members are looking to consume. And like you said, in 2009, we made a huge shift from on-demand to delivering content live. And it has absolutely changed our company, my life, and a lot of professionals when we realized people want to learn together. They want to engage with others. It's all about your questions and my thoughts and my questions and your thoughts. It's not just about the presenter. And delivering a virtual event is all about that, bringing people online together so they can engage. And truthfully, you know, you can engage a lot more people online in a short period of time than you can physically. So it really is an exciting format. And we were thrilled to be one of the leading companies prior to this crisis. And, and last week, we had hundreds of phone calls from organizations that wanted to convert everything from a citywide with 50 concurrent sessions to a one-day training course from Geico or somebody. So it's interesting because I know that you actually, you know, have been working for years with some of the major brands out there. I know that you do all of this live streaming and, and virtual conferences for companies like Intel and Harvey, Harley Davidson and Geico. Uh, you work with major associations who have giant conferences like uh, ICPA and SHRM. So you've learned a lot in the past 11 years of doing this already. What's the some of the things that you've learned in 11 years that people cannot learn in 11 hours that you need to share with people? Well, the first thing is, is it's just like anything else. You need to wow them so they become your core of passionate believers. You know, it's interesting, Tom, 86% of people who attend online have never been to a physical meeting. Hmm. So as much as everyone was in fear of live streaming their conference because of cannibalization, let us not forget that the NFL owners in the 60s were approached by the networks to broadcast their football games. And 100% of them said, over my dead body, I need to sell my stadium tickets. <laughs> and 40, 40 years later, not one of them would pass up their broadcast revenues for their ticket sales. That's, that's actually a really interesting comment. Could you imagine the NFL without broadcast television? I mean, it's, it's, and yet they didn't want to do it. I have clients now that are making 10 times the revenue online than they do in their physical meeting. And they deliver a phenomenal experience, both live and online. And now it's all about the techniques of how to blend them, how to get the same audience response data into the same presentation online, how to allow them to dialogue. You know, it's exciting to me when we do a virtual event to see researchers from Africa engaging with researchers from Stanford and researchers from Finland it's just an exciting opportunity to bring the world all together, just like you and I are doing here. But you have to use a format that allows a lot of hundreds and thousands of people to get online. And your first mistake is to do a, a do-it-yourself platform that doesn't deliver a quality experience. You have to deliver a quality experience so their evaluation says, this was a great use of my time. Well, and it's interesting because I have seen over the years, many people try to do it yourself or, or just do it with some of these free internet broadcast tools or inexpensive ones. And it's fine, 
But when you're creating a conference, I have never worked and I've spoken at, at hundred, I mean, almost nearly a thousand audiences I have spoken to in my career as a professional speaker. And I have never worked with a single meeting planner who said, we just want our conference to be fine. But when it comes to their live stream, many of them have made that decision over, over the years. And I've logged on as, as an interested participant to dozens of conferences and it just falls flat because they haven't put any pre-thought into it. Not only does the tool not give you that interactivity, but it's really just the fact that all they're doing is just like giving you like a window in from a distance to a talking head on a stage who doesn't even acknowledge that there's an audience at home. Exactly. In fact, one of the things that you want to make sure, we think that our platform actually provides the tools that are exciting are the things around the content. You know, for instance, like people like yourself who are engaging that audience and causing, you know, it's interesting. If you create conversation, which isn't hard to do if you've got an excellent moderator for that event, it's so important to get somebody in. So if our clients don't provide a moderator, we actually put an engagement officer in every event. And all they're doing is creating, tell us where you're from. What facility do you work? Within a minute, just like, you know, when, the, when a speaker says, does anyone have any questions? And there's always that proverbial 30 to 60 seconds of silence. And then one person asks a question. And next thing you know, there's 20 people queued up. The same thing happens online when you engage them with somebody that knows how to create dialogue. Well, and that's one of the concerns I have as people look towards the virtual option. And I'm I'm pro virtual events, but I'm also very pro in the face-to-face option of how humans engage. And I don't think we can ever replace that person-to-person connection. However, when we look to digital, they often forget that you can still have networking. You can still have a give-and-take option when people are participating in a virtual event. But oftentimes, all that I see events do is they just... Just broadcast the speakers and nobody monitors that chat room to get any information back to anybody. And then when it's time for a meal or a coffee break or a happy hour, they shove up a slide that says back in 30 minutes. And what I've found is that's the kiss of death. That's when people say, well, I'm going to go do laundry. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to make some calls. And then they may or may not reengage later. So what are some of the ways that if you're going to do a one day or maybe a multi-day event What are ways that you keep your remote audience staying in touch and staying logged on to watch? Well, one of the exciting ways is to provide your sponsors and exhibitors the ability to run their own webinars in between your sessions. So for many of our clients, we'll have chat lobbies where they can actually run their own 20-minute webinar on Zoom. So they'll be in our platform. The session will end. They've got a 30-minute break. They then have six companies that they can select to learn about what that company's doing. Another way is to just have a a discussion, put up some questions, have people type in the chat. You know, it's interesting, you can have 300 people answer a question in less than a minute. You could never do that in a physical setting, passing a microphone around. We used to work with a, a company, Cengage, and they would actually use the one hour virtual event to bring about the best ideas from their 1,000 people online. It wasn't a topic. It was, what are you doing today to engage your fourth graders? And then they would get all those answers and they would have a whole team of people going through the data and then presenting it through through um, uh, questions and through um, different audience response mechanisms. 
to really get what they're doing and what's successful at that time. So that's one way to do it. And then, of course, another way to do it is to just really provide possibilities for people to suggest and and coordinate their own teams. You know, in the project that you and I did with National Speakers Association, everyone online created their own Facebook page and they dialogued for years after the event. So it's given them those techniques and those ability to really come together because it is, like you said, it's all about collaborating ideas. And it's funny when you see somebody online and they said, oh, gee, I think I might go to this conference next year. And somebody who was at the conference, like rebroadcasts are really hot now, rebroadcasting the content over, inviting the people that were at the physical meeting to be in and the people who weren't to be in. And then the whole purpose is to make them want to come to the next conference. Well, I have found in a couple of times that I've hosted uh, virtual events or hybrid, the, the, the live stream part, that's part of my job as that host is to talk up to the people at home how great it is here. And one of the things we've done at several events where Eliz Green and I have worked together, we actually have a product called The Conference Talk Show. And anybody can find that at conferencetalkshow.com. And that will redirect you over to Eliz's website where we've put together sort of an offering of, of what we do. One of the things we do is we talk up why you should be here next year. And we interview some of the participants. So during those coffee breaks or lunchtime, we set up interviews with people who are in the audience with people who are running the organization that's putting on the show and with the keynote speakers. And we try to get extra content for the at-home audience that the people who are live wouldn't be able to get. We get the keynote speakers to go a little deeper. We get the live participants to share what it is they're learning. And then we're constantly, without being too pushy, reminding people that, you know, start planning for next year's date so that you can be here in person. And the conferences I've worked with have seen that people have registered. And when asked, how did you hear about it or why did you come? The answer is I participated in last year's live stream. Yeah. So before we, you know, come to a close, I want to make sure that I provide people with some good advice as to how to get started, because it's really this is what it's all about. And so, you know, if you're going to live stream your meeting, you really want to live stream one room for the duration of your meeting. And then record all of your other sessions and create a virtual conference alternative. You know, nobody's used to just purchasing four sessions from your meeting. They're used to registering for your entire conference. So if you're looking for an alternative, if people are canceling from your meeting, you need to create an entire virtual meeting. So if you've got seven concurrent sessions, live stream one room, and then record the others. That's the least expensive way to get started. You also wanna use video as much as possible. So in that one room, bring a cameraman in and live stream the video. You know, I know we're on a podcast, but the truth is that the engagement and the energy is conveyed through facial expressions. And so video is really important. So delivering the video, the slides, or actually the presenter's screen, and quality audio is essential in keeping people in. You know, the myth is people won't stay on longer than 20 minutes. I have people on eight hours a day for five days straight. If the quality of the content is good and the platform you're using is engaging, you will not lose your audience. If it's just an audio and PowerPoint through a basic platform with very little ability to engage with others, you're probably going to lose them in 20 minutes. So that's one myth. 
The second way is, is if you to live stream one room with video and then audio cast the others in an audio and PowerPoint format to give your audience a choice if that's important. You know, live streaming six concurrent for three days is expensive. And you don't want to get into this and have too much of an expense. You want to keep your costs low so that you can guarantee a success. And when you do that, you will be able to grow your program year after year. Because let me tell you, you will have a virtual or a hybrid component to your physical event in the next five years. It's probably been pushed ahead because of the coronavirus situation. But the reality is, is there are thousands of people out there that are interested in what your organization's doing. And our clients are seeing 12 to 26% of the online participants attend their physical events in the next 24 months. I want to back up to something that you said that I think is really important and really interesting. And that is that you talked about how to do this the right way is pick one room, whether it's your main room or whether it's a a featured breakout room and broadcast the whole day from there, but then record audioly all the other things and make those available to people. This is an area I think, especially right now in crisis, when people are rushing, I think people are doing things on either side of that. I think they're just, you know, trying to do just the cheap way, maybe not videoing, just audioing everything, or we'll just show our keynotes. We won't show the breakouts or, or whatever, or they're going the other way saying, okay, we're going to video all six rooms and get everything out there. And then the cost on that is, you know, super, 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 super high. I think you've really pointed out sort of that middle ground that for, especially for associations or companies who are having to move fast in the next couple of weeks, that's a really smart way to do it. It gives everybody the option to have access to everything while still staying engaged in one place. Yeah. So like our first coronavirus call was from a client who was expecting 76 speakers from China. So we're now recording all of those speakers remotely. Mm. So, you know, we can record speakers from anywhere around the world and we can bring speakers in live for a virtual event from anywhere around the world. So it's really about, you don't have to deliver, you know, we got a call for 750 sessions for a, a conference that was scheduled to be in Los Angeles starting Thursday of this week. And they wanted to know if we could do 50 concurrent webinars. And we we talked about, you know, maybe we can do five concurrent to give your audience a choice. And then we start recording or you have your speakers record their own session and submit them so we can create a fantastic resource because it is about getting the information into their members' hands. I mean, we're doing a virtual event for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and that's an organization that just has to get their information out to their constituents. So there's lots of different things. We're doing all of Intel's virtual events because they need to reach the the international audience. And it's all about crafting a quality event and giving people the ability to come on, register, get access to the material ahead of time, attend the event, watch the ones they couldn't attend afterwards, have great dialogue and engagement, and then continue on building that community year after year. If you come out of the gate with a lousy experience, people are going to really be turned off. Whereas if you come out of the gate with a quality experience, your members and attendees will say, I'm proud to be a member of this organization because they took a little bit extra time 
to do it right. It's really, really important. So you mentioned that this this hybrid uh uh, part of it was probably coming down the road for everybody anyway. And I've actually believed that. I mean, it's why Eliz and I do this conference talk show thing. We think it's going to become a bigger deal in the future. And then you added, we're probably fast forwarding that with what's going on in the coronavirus. So what are some of, I mean, you've had literally 10 days to pay attention to this probably, but what are some of the changes that you think are happening now that are going to last? Well, without a doubt, live streaming the meeting. I mean, the first five days, we were inundated with phone calls about live streaming the meeting so that they could provide a virtual option to those uh, attendees that were going to cancel. That was the first five days. The second five days, the meetings were being canceled. So then it was, how do we turn our physical meeting into a virtual meeting? And what I know that others don't know is that there is unbelievable value in delivering an event online. I see it in all of the people that are online. I get a Monday morning report of all the activity that goes on for our events. And we do about maybe 60 to 100 events a week. And I got to tell you, every Monday morning, it's my favorite day to look at what was happening the week before and what do the attendees say to that organization. And that's what fuels my passion. When I see people excited about the experience and talking about, I've never gone to a physical meeting. I had no idea such great content was being delivered. And I had no idea that I had colleagues from all over the world that are engaging with each other. That is really, to me, the, the thing that's going to last the most is people are going to do virtual events that had never considered it. And when they see the evaluations of their members and their attendees, they're going to think, Wow, I had no idea so much comes out, you know, and I know you're a face to face guy, so I don't want to. But I got to tell you, the face to face community has really put a stigma on the online community. And I have to say that in the end, the online community is going to be what's driving. You know, when we when we did email and everyone said that mail and (laughs) UPS was going to be in trouble. It's only creating more dialogue, which creates more need for face-to-face. So this is really a catalyst, and this is the fuel that's going to fire some really exciting things down the road. Well, I think while you you say I'm a face-to-face guy, yes, that's true. But at the same time, I'm also a big fan of all of these tools that we use online to communicate and grow our relationships. And I actually think I'm in the middle guy because I I think that – we can go too far to either extreme. And I think yep. there are people on both sides who are saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, there are people literally now saying, you know, yay, live events are going to die. Well, we've been saying that since the Internet was invented yeah. and human beings, we're wired to get together. We are we are totally. we are social people. However, when these tools that we have online are used properly they can enhance the relationships that we have. And then you can have online relationships, in-person relationships. No, you don't. You have relationships. And that's what it's really about, is how do we get beyond these two sides of the camp and use all the tools that we have to take us to to that next level? And I think that's what's going to happen. And I've been saying this for the last two weeks as well, is that when this is all over, I think you're going to see that virtual component of live meetings go in a brand new direction. It's not going to replace the live meetings, but it's going to be uh, standing a little bit more side by side. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big believer of delivering the education before the face-to-face. So when you come together face-to-face, you're actually bringing something. I really believe that that the attendee of the future is going to have a responsibility to bring their experiences to the meeting. And then it's going to be a collective sharing of knowledge, not a one-to-many, but a many-to-many. And when you start looking at that, Think about how fast we can accelerate even the things like we're doing now. We're trying to figure out a solution for coronavirus. Bringing many people together is way better than going to a meeting and sitting in a room and listening to one expert. So I think the expert will be the catalyst before the face-to-face, and we're all going to come to San Antonio to exchange the ideas of how did that one expert's opinions and thoughts be a stimulus for what we all bring together. So I agree with you, Tom. It's not one or the other. It's com- combination. You know, we just designed a second screen technology that physical attend- meeting planners are using so that the physical audience can communicate with the virtual audience. And in the first three months of using this tool, the results are incredibly exciting. So I have a question, kind of shift gears here a little bit. As a speaker, I don't believe that all speakers are prepared to present to a digital remote audience. What do speakers need to know, whether it's a hybrid event where they're talking to a live audience and it's being live streamed or live audience can't make it. We've had to cancel because of whatever reason, coronavirus or some other disaster that comes on down the line. And the speaker is just presenting to a camera with thousands of people watching. What do the presenters need to know if they're going to be in this new world? It's a big shift. We partner with SkillPath. They have hundreds of of exciting trainers that deliver in hotels across the country in all kinds of soft, you know, like leadership and management. And they came to us to deliver their online and we're training their speakers. And let me say, when you're communicating to a group, it is a completely different experience than, than standing in front of Zoom. And a lot of times it's as simple as when you're talking to a group, you can't go back and start over. So you always know what you're delivering. When you're in front of Zoom, you think that you can stop. So just the fluidness of what you're saying is completely different. The way that you accentuate your facial expressions and show energy is different. The way you prepare is different. I believe truly there is an incredible shortage of speakers that can deliver online effectively. Now it is growing. Zoom has been a great tool and and Skype for people. You know, you walk around and you don't see people with the phone on your ear anymore. You see them looking at it because we're getting used to looking at the people that we're dialoguing on our devices. So we are getting better, but there's an enormous gap between, I mean, look at our podcast. And how fluid you are, because you've done how many episodes? So this show is 540 plus episodes. And uh, I host a show called the Digital Enterprise Society for uh, an association called the Digital Enterprise Society. And we've done 30 or 40 of those. So I'm I'm around 600 episodes. So take a look at this one and take a look at your first five. Oh, God, don't go listen to the first five. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. Jim, 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 Jim. No, we don't go back and look at the first hundred. But this is where I think that professional speakers need to be practicing because it is the future of how to engage people and how to get just simple things like your lighting, 
you know, we, tr- we go in and do a tech check for every speaker that's going to do a virtual event. And I don't know why we think in our minds that we should have a window behind us. Because <laughs> then we look like we're in the dark. Exactly. Every speaker gets online. And the first thing we tell them is, gee, we're going to have to have you turn 180 degrees around. You want the light from the window to be on your face, not behind you. You want to be able, I mean, for me, I use, wear bifocals. So it's a challenge for me because I always have my head looking up a little bit. Whereas you want to be looking right at the webcam. There are so many things that you need to practice to be effective. But when you are effective, it really connects with your audience. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's why organizations need a professional moderator who is able to engage and keep the conversation going. So let's talk about that for a minute, because that's something that I've done and I actually like to do it. Why is a virtual conference in need of some sort of a host who runs that show and communicates with that that virtual audience? And yet so few people do it. Well, I think that, you know, the reality is, is that, yeah, you want to engage. I mean, when we started working with Geico, they came to us and said, how do we know our people are being engaged? So I went and built an entire engagement measurement tool so that we know and we can measure the actual engagement of the user. And what's fascinating is when you compare the level of engagement to the outcomes, the actual answers to the test, the more engaged audiences perform better. So the first thing you want to do is think about that. You know, we hold meetings in Las Vegas and San Francisco and Chicago and Orlando. I've never done one in Butte, Montana. Nothing personal to the people in Butte. Well, there goes my listenership in Butte, Montana. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, maybe I should just use my own town of Jamestown, New York. But the reality is, is it's it's making a great experience. And that's what's important. You got to think of the bigger. It's not delivering 42 sessions. That's not what the goal is. Sure. That's the mechanism that you're going to use throughout the three days. But the goal is to engage your people in dialogue so they come away from their time online and say, that was awesome. So let's talk about the different ways that uh, a virtual event host can be used to engage. I mean, the way Eliz and I do it is we call it the conference talk show and we run those those down spaces between what's being broadcast from the stage. We run it like you're watching the Today Show or Good Morning America or, uh, you know, um, one of those, you know, the, the talk shows so that, you know, we're sitting there, we're bantering, we're laughing with the audience. You know, we might have coffee in our hands. We're pulling people in who are walking by. We're interviewing speakers. We're talking to the association board. Uh, like I said before, we're getting the participants to come and sit on the stage and tell us what they're experiencing live. And we just try to make that downtime between content. We try to make it, you know, like you're sitting on the couch, having a glass of wine, having some fun with your friends. What are some other ways that you see successful people host uh, a virtual conference? Well, it's interesting. There's really two ends of the spectrum. So, you know, there's what you and Eliz did which is sitting on two stools and bantering back and forth, engaging the audience, bringing in attendees, talking to attendees, talking to virtual audience, and engaging everybody around the event. And then for your listeners that may have gone to PCMA, you know, they have the ability to use Freeman's leverage to build a beautiful studio and glass walls and 
lots of production value, and there's that value. And both of them are effective. I recommend the first way to start because you can't sustain a program unless you're driving enough revenue to sustain it. So to me, I always recommend recommend to my clients, produce the, the bell curve theory, the best event you can for the least amount of money to start. And then once you measure your success, then you start moving forward. And one of the things you want to do is you want to up your production value of your host. So, you know, typically our clients will start with a host online in Zoom and they're not even, you know, at a conference. They're, they're doing a virtual event and, hey, I'm Tom Singer and I'm here to, to be the glue between everything that's going on for the next two days or one day. And you're such and, and, you know, many of you guys are so talented in being able to deliver that fluidly and not be stopping with um and ah. And it's important to have that professional edge. And then the next year, clients like Sherm will fly to their offices and stream their moderators from their offices with high quality cameras and a little bit higher production value. And so, you know, we go to um, Ecolab and we stream their president and they set up two chairs with a beautiful stage and we stream from there. So there's lots of levels you can do depending on your budget. But the one thing you don't want to do is leave that chat lobby or that event on running just on its own and not have some level of somebody engaging your audience. It's crucial. Awesome. Well, this is very trying times for everybody in the meetings industry. And I know, you know, for you, I mean, people must be thinking, oh, this must be great. Your phone's ringing off the hook. But I know that, you know, too much too much phone is not a great thing for an entrepreneur either. So I'm sure that you have your hands full right now. So I don't want to take up much more time. But is there any last words you want to say for anybody who maybe they're in the meetings business, maybe they're not, but they're facing this disruption from coronavirus uh, since you're right in the hot seat? Do you have any advice for people who, who are facing just craziness? Well, I'd like to trade advice right now, to be honest with you. I mean, these are challenging times. As much as we are a virtual and live streaming company, we're also connected to physical events that are being canceled. And it's really a challenge, you know. A lot of us have contracts that have verbiage in them, but we understand the problems that everyone's having. I mean, this is devastating to our industry, and I'm hoping it gets over quickly. I would say, though, for parting advice, you want to talk to companies like mine. Other companies are out there, <clears throat> understand their capabilities, and <clears throat> start to have plan B and plan C in place so that at least you have an understanding of what you're able to report. You know, all of the people I spoke to this week, and I've had about 300 calls, they all have to report to their board. So they're really looking for what are my options and what are the, each of the level of options cost so that I can go to my board and we can make informed decisions. And I think that's really what's important now is we all need to make informed decisions. And truthfully, we need to pray that this gets over quick and we can all get back to some level of normalcy. And if that means adding a virtual component to your meeting, great. But to me, I'd love to go back to 30 days ago as quick as we could. <laughs> and so I want to, you know, I feel for everyone, like you opened this meeting up, a, a conference that you go to, you have no idea how many people are behind the scenes 
to make that happen. The AV companies, the registration companies, the floral companies, the facilities, the restaurants, all of those people are being affected every time you hear, oh, somebody just canceled their conference. So, you know, I don't know if anyone out there has advice for me. I am I am also a sponge and looking for answers. So I appreciate you reaching out, Tom. Uh, this is a trying time for all of us, but we'll get through it just like we did in 9-11 in 2008. And I just hope that when we get on the other side of this, that we all um, have, you know, a more successful life. Well, Jim, I'm, I'm going to sign out here in a second, but I forgot to thank the sponsor of this episode because you had me so enthralled. This is such an important topic for so many people uh, in our meetings world that I, I forgot to thank my sponsor. And I love my sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Now, Podfly, they'll set you up with the right equipment, the training, and the guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jim Parker from Digitel Inc. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Jim, if anybody's listening and they're like, we must call Digitel right now, I realize you're getting 100 calls a day, but how do they find you? Where, where do they go online? What's your phone number? How do people find you? Well, our website is digitelinc.com, D-I-G-I-T-E-L-L-I-N-C.com. Come visit our website. You can reach us there or call us at 1-800-679-3646. And in closing, Tom, I just want you listeners to know, we're about the mission, not the money. So we're here to help you get through these times and reach more people with great content. You know, I'm glad you said that because that's something that for as crazy as it's been the last couple of weeks, I have been hearing from people from all areas of the speaking, I mean, the, the meetings world. And that includes speakers who are like, hey, don't worry. There's no extra fee. We'll get this done your way. Hey, you need me to jump in and host that for you? We'll worry about the money later. Uh, I've seen it with, you know, the hoteliers, uh, some of the airlines, uh, different people who touch these businesses. Some are being very easy to work with. Granted, I'm sure there's stories of people who aren't, but I really appreciate that you added that, that look, it's about the mission, not the money. Let's figure this out as an industry and uh, and we'll help each other from there. So I think that's a great message to part on. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining me on such short notice in such a crazy time. You're welcome. And thank you for all that you do. And, you know, I'm sure your listeners love your 535 uh, episodes. <laughs> and everybody who listened, I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. If this was your right. first time, if this was your first time listening to cool things entrepreneurs do, do me a favor. Come back and listen to more. There's 540 episodes behind us, 540 more to come twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. But most importantly, go tell a friend. I used to tell people to go over to, to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. But guess what? Almost nobody ever did that. By the way, if you do it, it makes my day brighter to see a new positive review. But more important is go tell somebody about the show because when I talk to people who listen, I always say, how did you find me? And they always say somebody they knew told them to listen to an episode and then they got addicted. So please go tell a friend. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Jim Parker. But in the meantime, go out there. We all got to face problems. This is crazy time. Flex that entrepreneurial bone that you have. Make sure that your ladder is against the right wall. And while you're at it, have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.